Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsock. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And we're here to talk Star Wars news. We're here to deal with uh, probably uh, my voice sounding slightly different because I screamed all weekend for three days at a Schmodown shoot. So I apologize if I sound uh, a little different. Uh, at least in my ears, I'm different. Joseph, I, am I different? You hear me more than any human being in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, my apologies to Grace uh, that I hear you. <laughs> 
more. And I would say you have like 10% more grievous in your voice, which oh. is, it's, it, it's not annoying or anything like that. It's fun. It's just a, it's just a little bit of like kid. I've been around the block. Let me, let me, excuse me, excuse me, Obi-Wan. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. That's, I love it. The negotiator. Uh, we are, we are here to discuss uh, Star Wars news, breaking news from a long, long time ago. And looking into the future, we got a lot of Kenobi news. Someone went scouring, uh, scouring the WGA websites and got some big scoops. Uh, a lot to get to and a pretty darn cool sneak preview of uh, the upcoming Brotherhood book. That's coming our way. But before uh, coming your way and our way, before we get to all that, I'm going to settle down and let you all know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, one of our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. A little time for catch-up Star Wars uh, life adventures. A calm before a Star Wars storm. And I mean that in a good way uh, with <laughs> Kenobi and Celebration and all this stuff happening. So, uh, Jen, how's how's life? How's Star Wars? Star Wars is great this weekend. Uh, I was oh. watching Star Wars Rebels as I have been every day. <laughs> and my daughter, she's being, you know, she occasionally will pop in and watch like a little bit. No, uh, when was it? On Saturday? Or, yeah, Saturday. She goes, Mom, Let's watch Star Wars Rebels. I said, you know, it's okay. If you don't have to, like, I'll do it on my own. She goes, no, I want to watch it. So we took it from my computer to the big screen of Ooh. our living room. <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> we watched five episodes. Uh, yeah. Wow. I, I did not move because I did not want to ruin the moment. Because I was like, at any moment, she's going to be like, mom, can we watch something else? <laughs> she was into it. Uh, she loves Star Wars. I can't believe it. Interesting. Love this. <laughs> How is old it, is she know? now? She's six. Okay. Uh, that's she a great Star Wars age. It is perfect. Star Wars Rebels is the perfect age for her. And, you know, some of it goes obviously like over her head and she had a mm. lot of questions or she'll see things and, oh man, it was, we're on a season three right now. And it's when Ezra started, you know, using the Sith holocron at the beginning of the season mm. Mm. and uh, that whole thing. And he's dabbling in the dark side or, you know, and giving into his anger. And there were some great moments that I was able to talk to her about that, you know, like, because she now knows who Ezra is. And she, she's like, but he's a good guy. Why is he doing that? And blah, blah, blah. And, oh, it's so great. You know, and she's like, she keeps calling Kanan his dad. I'm like, it's not, it's not his dad, but he's kind of like his dad. <laughs> not wrong. You're not wrong. Right, right. And she like wants to know the different species. And it's just, oh, it's so thrilling i'm so happy <laughs> like obviously the narrative is, is i remember it it's been a while is ezra explicitly does some like you know nasty stuff with the force and that but is she like just really picking up even on on just sort of the symbolism of why is he playing with that naughty red box he's not supposed to <laughs> yes oh yes yes and like seeing the flashes of anger in his eyes how he's like you know suddenly now he's giving a lot of attitude i mean this is the oh, beginning yeah. of season three and she's like oh not making good choices. He shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> He's sassing his not dad. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I guess it's kind of good that she's, uh, she's picking up that it's bad versus, you know, maybe in a few years she'll be like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to play with the Sith holocron mom. 
<laughs> I know. It was, there was a very uh, ABC special kind of moment, you know, mm. why are you doing this? Caden tells him, because <laughs> it's just like it had this kind of like uh, say no to drugs kind of vibe, <laughs> which I liked. I liked mm-hmm. that teach that teachable moment. <laughs> That's so great. We talk so much. Obviously, Lucas uh, says it very explicitly at conventions, but we talk so much about how Star Wars is meant to be for, uh, you know, people growing up and figuring things out. It's so great to hear that actively in practice. I really I was shocked. I was shocked. I was like, this is fantastic. Now I can share all my Star Wars knowledge with also my my knowledge from life. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's big time stuff. I, I like to sit some adults down and have them love Star Wars Rebels in the same way and connect with Star Wars in the same way. They could learn a lot. I have. Learn a lot. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, you, sir. Yeah, I've had a good busy week um, making some good progress on some projects I've been working on forever. So that is very nice uh, to finally feel like maybe crossing a finish line here or there uh, on some projects. Uh, And then I've been having some fun Star Wars adventures. I'm finally reading the uh, Legends Kenobi book, which I have had my eye on Mm. since it came out. Uh, I think I remember being really excited about it when it was announced. And then I got a little deterred by the like, and this is the last book that's not going to matter canon wise. <laughs> yeah, right, you know, and right. it's that time. And I've, I've thought about reading it and it's like, oh, before the show, I got to read it uh, before the Kenobi show. So uh, I'm definitely enjoying it. It's definitely a, a Western. have to remind myself of that mm. at the beginning because I'm anxious to be like, just give me Kenobi now. Like, no first meet the town people like all right uh, <laughs> but i'm really enjoying that and then uh, my wife and i like have been saying the last couple of weeks have been rewatching uh, the indiana jones films we watched crystal skull which i like i'm just gonna throw that out <laughs> uh, walk away like a bomb controversy i enjoy crystal skull i think it's good um but then uh, oh you're what you like it i with you i rewatched it again you know uh i hadn't seen it since the theater and just let society tell me not to go back to it does that makes sense. Whereas, like, I, oh, I guess, I guess we all suck. But I remember coming out of it, and going, eh, "All right, some things I didn't love, some of the CGI I didn't love, some of the beats I didn't love." But there's a lot of it I, I thought was pure indie. And then I looked around and went, "Oh, I guess not." Okay, I'll see y'all later. <laughs> yeah, uh, rewatching it, especially uh, after just watching, you know, every week the other three, it feels absolutely similar to me. Just like mm-hmm. the pacing, the tone, the ideas. Uh, look, yeah, I, I, I would be fine with uh, if Mutt didn't get hit in the crotch like five times. <laughs> I'm good with one or half, even half of one. Uh, but I really, we really enjoyed that. We enjoyed that so much. I was like, uh, asked my wife, like, I don't know if you want to do this, but would you watch the young Indiana Jones adventure? They're on Paramount Plus. And she oh. was like, sure. So we watched the first uh, uh, weird but good episode uh, called My First Adventure. <laughs> um, do you, did you did either of you watch Young Indiana Jones when it came out? And, and do you know the weird backstory of the way the episodes are presented now? Um, I, I, I watched it weekly um, back in the day. I don't remember as much as it as much as uh, of the shows I'd like to, I, I, I'm going to have to do a rewatch myself. I do kind of remember some of the weird formatting, uh, right? Some little fa- flashbacks, flash forwards. I can't remember. I remember, I remember old Indy showing up and he was younger than Indy will be now. So. <laughs> Just about. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer, yeah. did you watch it back in the day? I vaguely remember the credits and not much else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. My brother and I watched it religiously uh, when it was on back in the early 90s. And I remember being really engaged by it and fascinated by it. It's just a, if you don't know, it's just a fun, quick uh, Wikipedia read 
of the weird history of the show. Like basically it, when it was aired, it went back and forth between nine year old and 17 year old indie. And, Mm. you know, long story short for eventual DVD release, Lucas was like, you know what? I want to make this chronological. And he removed the uh, bookends with old indie and he recombined the episodes so that they're all in chronological order. And it's just, it's fascinating. Uh. A Lucas history of Lucas going, Nope. I'm going to reorganize things so it's the way I want them to be. I mean, like the show itself is <laughs> yeah. fascinating for Indiana Jones, but just kind of fascinating as Star Wars adjacent history uh, mm-hmm. because it is. It's Rick McCallum. It's all these other names you recognize from the prequels. It's, you know, kind of the very beginning of prequel testing ground. And then the the great Star Wars <laughs> history of, and I don't care what anybody else says, I'm going <laughs> to totally redo this and make the original versions very hard to find. I did not, I did not know that. Oh, I'm gonna have to yeah. take a deeper dive. Um, yeah, yeah. I do the McCallum of it all, which is great. Yeah, all the names. It's great that he was getting his team together. It was like, cool. Let's go to Star Wars. But ah, that's fascinating. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, they're they're definitely weird. They're definitely very Lucas. But like early on, I don't know, maybe third scene. Right away, you get some CO Bibble. Oliver Ford Davies. Right there. Right there. Really? Having dinner with nine year old Indiana Jones. I'm looking forward to seeing all of the various connections. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. And it's on Paramount Plus? Yep. Everything but one episode that they don't have, I think, music rights for. But yeah, like 21, like 80 to 90 minute episodes. It's very weird. Uh, It's been so far fun. Um, Last thing I wanted to be sure to mention is a little bit of uh, the sad Star Wars news, but I wanted to acknowledge it. Um, The designer artist Charles White III uh, passed away, and he is the person who made, along with uh, Drew Struzan, the Star Wars Style D Circus poster. Uh, mm. That is the one for the 1978 re-release. Um, mm. And it is the one that, uh, you know, Luke and Leia are swinging. Right. You got Vader right. down the corner and it's got the, it, it looks like a poster that's plastered on a wall and it's got the little Obi-Wan on the side. Uh, and uh, I wanted to acknowledge that because it is my favorite poster. It is above my computer. and <laughs> I look at it mm. all the time. So I wanted to acknowledge that passing and thank Charles White III for this awesome poster. Mm. Absolutely. Good, uh, good, uh, good call there on that one there. Part of Star Wars history indeed. Uh, for me, it was uh, one of those weeks again where you kind of life uh, busy, uh, hardworking uh, over on that the, uh, the trivia show. Uh, we all have, every once in a while get involved in, but I'm, I'm a full time over there on, on once a month. We do big, big bulk shooting, which is a, a test of a test of one's metal anyways. Uh, some things went uh, awry and, uh, it was just a less, I, I felt like a little bit, we all, a little bit like Han Solo just going, don't worry, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> and, and then also the, the, the old Qui-Gon dropping to the knees thing we talk about a lot. It's just, that might be the most powerful thing for me in Star Wars now. Just ever, just close your eyes, <laughs> close your eyes, um, and get through that. Lean on what you learned from Star Wars to get through the tough situation. But uh, hanging around uh, safely with a bunch of uh, movie fans, uh, eventually uh, I got asked the question uh, that you know, we, you know, Star Wars fans, but more specifically Star Wars podcasters, hate getting asked, hey, so uh, what did you think about Book of Boba Fett? <laughs> <laughs> and with immediately four eye, four sets of eyes spin around to look at me, you know, like, I'm going to see what this guy says. And I said, I, I, I happened to really enjoy it and uh, didn't get jumped for it, which was good. Oh, good. Just, <laughs> that's the, that's, uh, that's the fear, right? I mean, if yeah. somebody really just wants to have a back and forth conversation is great, but often it's the, like, <laughs> I'm asking you so I can tell you you're wrong when you tell me you mm. like it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, everyone, everyone just kind of nodded. I don't know. It's also a weird situation too, where like we always talk about the three of us, we're like the Star Wars people in our certain friend groups, and I think a lot of people listening to Force Center are the the Star Wars person at the office. Um, like, oh, Bob's here. He's a Star Wars guy. He listens to Star Wars. <laughs> so it, to, to kind of have that set up in a bunch of movie nerds where, uh, you know, uh, I was, uh, and you as well, Joseph, known as Star Wars competitors. Mm. You, you kind of, yeah, the, the, the debate is on. Like Star Wars guy <laughs> says this. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to engage him on that and tell him why he's wrong. So it could be. Right. And I, I think a lot of listeners experience that, too. So. Yeah, well, I'm really glad that you had a positive experience because I I can get overly grumpy about that. And and Mm -hmm. it's great to know that I uh, should uh, take a Qui-Gon knee because maybe sometimes people are just asking to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And not to set me up for a fall. It's a it's a true test of Jedi. It's the knowledge and defense versus uh, let me go strike you down before you can pull your weapon out. And uh, and I, I fail at it a lot. I really do. I just we're all just so used to. Um, getting, uh, you know, and, and ended up having a couple good discussions on the style of the show, which we will admit mm-hmm. is not for everybody. No, um, and, and that's a good conversation to have and, and, and all that stuff. But yeah, no. put the lightsaber away and just enjoy the conversation. All right, everybody, we are going to dive into Star Wars news. Uh, it is uh, definitely still the season of Kenobi and well, time to readjust our Obi-Wan Kenobi viewing schedule. In uh, uh, proof that uh, Star Wars loves the podcasts and pundits and pontificators, but doesn't, you know, really care about their schedules, uh, <laughs> they've uh, made a move for uh, the general public, which is, uh, I think, how they should do it, by the way. In a video featuring Ewan McGregor himself, it was revealed that the premiere of the Obi Wan Kenobi series has been pushed back from May 25th to May 27th. And we're getting the first two episodes, they're going to drop at the same time. Uh, there's not much to analyze uh, about the move, uh, but I think we can uh, go into it. Uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Let's get into it. I have notes. Dude, go into it. Go into it. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the summary here. Put smack dab in the middle of the Star Wars celebration. Clears up some space for maybe the next MCU show, She-Hulk, perhaps, and gives us a lot more Star Wars to watch in one sitting. So, what are our thoughts, Jennifer? Okay. This, to me, was really interesting because there's been a lot of things moving and it could be related to, like, you know, the pandemic, obviously, that's still ongoing. So if we think about it, first we had the move of Celebration, which wasn't initially scheduled for August, and then Mm -hmm. it got moved to May, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, like twice now, right? Yeah, yeah, So, so that's already in play. Obviously, we know May 25th, is an important date in Star Wars history. May 25th, 1977 is when Star Wars was first released in theaters. So that's that's a great day. Mm-hmm. But then they not only move it to Friday, which makes sense for the average person who is, you know, they have jobs in school <laughs> and, you know, they don't have time like us crazy Star Wars fans to watch it on Wednesday night. But then they release two episodes, but there's mm-hmm. only six episodes total. Mm-hmm. And it's in the middle of their convention <laughs> Which is going to, are they going to have any, anna- like, I just have so many questions. I'm dying mm. to hear your guys' thoughts mm. because to me, I was like, what is going on? What, what is their thinking behind this? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with Jennifer. I, so, sorry, Ken, for, for uh, pushing back in the middle of your, <laughs> Push your back. good Push news, back. news presentation. I just felt like, am, am I, is there something wrong with me? Ken doesn't think there's much to analyze. And I'm, I've been like. I'm I'm out over here with like a conspiracy theory board kind of yeah, thing, level yeah, of yeah. analysis myself. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, I think uh, I, I'm along, going along with, with uh, mm-hmm. the first thing that struck me is I'm personally bummed out about the May 25th date just because mm-hmm. I, you know, I did like that, you know, uh, that anniversary celebration. I just tracked down a, a copy of the Entertainment Weekly uh, with the mm-hmm. Kenobi photo, and I'm just very entertained that the final print edition of Entertainment Weekly is now wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it goes with print, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. But, Trying to figure it all out, like, um, so I, I, I double-checked the, the StarWars.com article, and it's not that they're moving the show to Friday, it's they're moving the premiere to Friday, because it mm-hmm. says, unless they change this, with subsequent episodes debuting each Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So right. Unless right. they change that, uh, Miss Marvel is debuting on June 8th, so... This doesn't help them with that MCU conflict. If they had announced they're moving the whole show to Friday and not doubled up episodes, I'd be like, oh, they're they're finally saying Marvel on Wednesday, Star Wars on Friday or something, you know, so they don't mm. conflict. Right. Um, there's no Moon Knight problem because Moon Knight ends on, on May 4th. Mm. Uh, right. As of now, Kenobi's last episode is on June 22nd and nothing else MCU is um, mm. announced with dates. She-Hulk sometime this year. So I don't know what they're avoiding. Like when they, they shifted Hawkeye, it was definitely like, because Hawkeye and Boba Fett were going to have a fight. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but is of well, the current dates, I don't understand how this helps them with an MCU thing. Maybe there's something I've missed or maybe something they're going to announce, obviously. But as mm-hmm. of right now, um, the only thing that makes sense to me is that they decided that Friday is more powerful for average viewers. But the right. whole reason they moved it to Wednesday is they claimed their engagement numbers were so much better. But I don't know if they did. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm wondering. So Bob Chapik is supposed to be a, a numbers guy. So did did Bob himself go give me numbers on hardcore nerds versus <laughs> just <laughs> casual people who know who Darth Vader is and go, oh, right. those, people those people will tune in more on Friday. Uh, the mm-hmm. the casual people. That's the only thing that that makes a ton of sense to me because I don't think they'd move it just for celebration. Um, right. Yeah. The only Actually, thing that makes sense yeah. to me from celebration, sorry, I'll, I'll say this yeah, one thing and I'll shut up. Uh, the only thing that makes sense to me about celebration is if there's some element of the show that we don't fully know or fully understand that drops in the second episode. So by getting them both out, it frees up the convention to hype something that we don't mm-hmm. know. Mm. Yeah. But I don't think they'd make that big of a change just to accommodate the convention that's full of people mm-hmm. who are going to watch this show at any time for mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where I'd start. And look, I think you, I think you're both right. A lot, a lot to discuss. And, and if, if you do, do look like Charlie day at your co- conspiracy board uh, from it's always sunny, uh, Joseph, I think it's great. No, I, I, I think um, I can't imagine this being just because of celebration. It doesn't track. Uh, it's not that they don't want the synergy of that. But again, yeah, we can make a Chappic joke, but I don't think anyone's sitting over there at the Glendale offices going, well, we better maximize that panel on Friday. <laughs> like, yeah, just doesn't ha- doesn't work that way. So, yeah, a reveal. But maybe there's. Some, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hadn't been tracking the MCU stuff. I, I said She-Hulk. Uh, yeah. Miss uh, is, is Marvel. The, the next one. Is that the next yeah, one? Yeah, Ms. Marvel has uh, been announced to premiere on June 8th. And gotcha. She-Hulk is supposed to come out sometime this year, but they haven't said when. So, so yes, there's would, okay. every possibility that there are MCU shuffles coming up and they just haven't announced them yet. And mm. that will make sense of all of this. 
Yeah, that's true. It's it's the other yeah the other side of it could could drop. And yeah, and I, I look, I have some yeah, as far as the date, but also this is just uh, from the podcasting uh, Star Wars coverage side. I I'm really bummed that we at Force Center lost our West Coast advantage. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we were going to have the show watched, analyzed, and published before we even set foot at celebration. Uh, now, like a lot of people, we're trying to figure out uh, the best way to do it, uh, which is a minor concern to all of this. But I, I mean, I, I, that was my first thought. Was like, well, damn it, <laughs> I was. We were going to have work done before the party started. Um, I mean, so, I do. Yeah. I do think that is a, a a factor of they are with doubling up the episode. They are willing to let go of a week of buzz in podcasts and social media engagement and think pieces, you know, like that's, yeah. that's a whole week less of, of mm-hmm. buzz generated. Yeah. And, and, and that's, um, that is, um, perhaps the thing I, I, I don't, I don't want to say disappointment is uh, disappointment. Uh, disappointment's a, a weird uh, word to throw at this because this, we're getting a Kenobi series in the middle of Star Wars celebration, much to be happy about, but yeah, I, I the two episodes, I don't love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just kind of like the week to week for a lot of various reasons. It's not the end of the world, obviously, but man, that, that it, got me a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, like why I don't understand. This is such a big, big show, highly anticipated, only six episodes. Why are they going to do two episodes at the same time during their big celebration? It, it to me, it's like, they're they're watering down the like you're saying the buzz the excitement unless they're they're looking at these episodes and going we need to have the second one like the first one's not enough which is very mm. surprised that doesn't make sense to me i don't i don't want to believe that you know um, actually, go, i'm sorry yeah, go ahead yeah yeah well yeah i want to jump jump in joseph for sure but like i'm thinking of the hawkeye conversation again personal taste aside i'm not a binger uh, and it's not just that I, I can't take two episodes in one week I, I just like ruminating a little bit more with my stories. I also like delaying the, the satisfaction. I like the anticipation right. of of next week. I, I actually really revel in that. Going to the Hawkeye thing, that's the only MCU show I spent a lot of time with, right, so far. Um, and I saw a lot of the conversation of, oh, I'm so glad they released two because that first episode would not have been enough to your point, Jennifer. And I'm like, I don't, I, I, I don't come from a point where I get that. Right. You know, where I'm like, yeah. well, it's the first episode. Like, that's it's a separate conversation. Anyways, Joseph. Yeah, no, I actually think that is uh, probably the most compelling idea. I think um, because uh, these shows, especially the six-parters, are, in my opinion, structured more like a double-long movie. Like, it's they still have right. the three-act structure, which means mm. the first two episodes are kind of act one. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times the first episode is table-setting. And right. if you're just interested in, I want to get into the groove of the world, I want to get into the mood of the world, but the first real big conflict is just going to kind of pop right at the end, um, that's fine for some viewers. But for other viewers right. who I think are tuning into a television show going, I kind of expect a individual episode to have like a real big beginning, middle and end, high stakes mm-hmm. right in the middle. Um, and that I think was a little bit of the deal with Hawkeye. It was a schedule yeah. thing, but it was also like, we're, we're basically presenting act one. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's the first two episodes. Um, I think Book of Boba Fett took some hits on that first episode. I think people would have been way more pumped if the first two episodes dropped. Mm -hmm. Just kind of structurally, the amount of narrative, the amount of conflict, the amount of understanding of the rest of the the story that they got. Mm. So that does make some sense to me of like, we really want to hook as many casual viewers as possible. Let's make sure they're super jazzed and Mm. let's get it to them on the weekend so they can watch two in a row. That's it. That's it. That I, you're absolutely right. Now, and we'll, we'll talk about the writers, but looking especially at who who's on the last two episodes, 
someone in particular will mention, uh, it is, it's, they're going to do the first two and then it's, yes, it's a three part structure that makes so much sense. And I remember watching the book of Boba Fett and I think I even watched it with my husband. He fell asleep, <laughs> but mm-hmm. like it, it was kind of slower paced if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, but I remember thinking, Oh, okay. I, I, I get where they're going, but it was the second episode that really grabbed me. So mm. yeah, mm. I, they do need that second episode to, to get, Everyone hooked. Yeah, look, and to be clear, again, it's, it, I'm talking from my personal uh, point of view, and that's not the way Disney needs to program. <laughs> so right, I yeah, think right. Joseph's your, your first act theory is 100% right, Ed, uh, and how that often is uh, is the case uh, is how many times do you hear nothing happened, nothing happened in that episode, right. mm-hmm. and that's usually episode one. Uh, right. Every year, Game of Thrones season, the new season began with an episode of Reef putting the pieces back on the board. <laughs> oh, it's so slow. Nothing happened. Right. Um, it's just the way of it. Again, maybe it's a separate conversation, but it's my point of view versus the general public. And, and you're always going yeah. to go towards it. Yeah. And Ken, so, I'm with yeah, you that about makes the sense. actual just like convention uh, experience. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I will, uh, you know, be Qui-Gon about it and, and take a knee and embrace the chaos. And there might be some benefits of some screenings at the the convention seeing it with you know hundreds of cheering fans might be great there might be a lot of benefits but it just it feels to me like like (laughs) like jennifer you were saying it's just so much at once like you planned like a whole day of birthday parties where you're going to do karaoke and then you're going to go dancing and you're going to have some cake and then you're suddenly like yeah you can still go karaoke and dancing and cake but you're all going to be in the roller coaster at the same time (laughs) (laughs) right it's all good but please so much at once it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look again, we we, we are digging in, but uh, you know, we're we're all blessed to have this. We know this. Yeah, uh, we're just yes. kind of splitting hairs here. But it, it's it's also very interesting. The business of it all, the business of Star Wars, the business of, of movies is is it, it can be pretty fascinating at times, and why things happen like this. So uh, it's big. And the big question is, uh, if anyone out there listening in Force Center. Um, has has this on their mind uh i will be watching it alone in my hotel room though i am already thinking uh because joseph will be uh, down there as well uh probably sharing a wall with me i'm thinking of being bringing a big big tv down to hook up my laptop so i don't have to watch kenobi on my laptop yeah, no, I mean, we, we, uh, listeners, we have not discussed yet how we're going to deal with covering this. Are we just, should we just stay up all night, watch both episodes, then record the, uh, the podcast and then get up at probably 9am, whatever the important big panel is at Celebration? Uh, it's on, it's on the list. It's on the yeah. list. Good problems to have. Good yeah. problems to have. Absolutely. We'll keep you updated. Uh, and I think Joseph, you could be right. More information could Drop on the other side of this that makes uh, makes it all seem even, uh, you know, more uh, makes make more sense of the situation is guess what I'm yeah. trying to say there. But, Jen, you mentioned it. Speaking of the writers, did the WGA reveal the Kenobi writing staff? Let's dig in. <laughs> I love this. Um, I don't know who would have uh, decided to go visit the WGA website. Maybe it's... Uh, I don't know. And, uh, you know, uh, Joseph, you had a theory as well. I'll let you uh, share if you want to there, too. <laughs> but anyways, the, the Writers Guild of America has uh, has the credited writers for Obi-Wan Kenobi listed. And it's very interesting. As uh, was previously known, Joby Harold had taken over the lion's share of the writing from Hossein Amini. Um, but Amini, Amini will retain two story by credits, three co-writing and telepay, telepay, teleplay credits. Man, I spoke a lot this weekend in my mouth. So <laughs> does not want to work. Um I want to start there. That's that's um, that's that's interesting to me. We already kind of got a sense from some of those recent interviews that 
hey, the story was kind of almost there. We t- we taken the story, but we want to go different directions. We hear that a lot in Hollywood, but uh, uh, Joseph, go into dig, dig into that credit of of a story by retaining some kind of story by Trevorrow retained a story by Verizon Skywalker. There's a lot of a lot of kind of red tape uh, legalities and all those kind of things attached to those rulings. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing to realize about the credits is some of it is absolutely uh, about what's actually on screen, but a ton of it is just uh, politics and rules. Um, And I think that, you know, sometimes decisions get made. I mean, that's just kind of a a standard thing. There was a great Twitter thread about this uh, recently about if you're staffed on a show, um, you know, sometimes it will say written by, and that's a legal thing that you get paid by, but you're the writer who wrote the first draft and then the room or the showrunner entirely wrote it and you'll have maybe a line or a word left. Um, Mm. uh, it wasn't even WGA, but when I worked on that adult swim show, Tigtone, they just made the decision to, uh, put a written by credit and then credit all of the writers in the room, every episode for, uh, I believe story by just because like we were brainstorming, you know, um, in some episodes it'd be like that key idea. Uh, in there, uh, hey, I had that. Then there'd be another episode of like, I contributed nothing to what <laughs> ended up on the screen, but my name was still on it because that's the way they decided to do it. And that isn't even getting into the weeds of WGA. That's mm-hmm. for for animation. Um, yeah. So that's that's my big picture thing. I think that there are uh, uh, tales of uh, story credit and ampersand that mm-hmm. starts to create a picture for me with these writers. Mm-hmm. The the uh, Hossein Amini thing is pretty clear because he wrote all these drafts. So I think some elements uh, are probably retained uh, the way because he's not just credited throughout. I think he's credited in specific episodes. So I think Mm -hmm. that one is really about, yep, there are elements of that original uh, draft that remain. I think it's a different story with the other writers that we're Mm going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jen, any thoughts up top there with the, the credits and all that? Yeah. I mean, I just think about like when, you know, it can be a very sticky thing when someone feels like their idea got taken and they did not get credit. That's how Mm -hmm. lawsuits happen. It happens all the time. I see it on Twitter. Hey, that was my idea. And blah, blah, blah. That's why writers and directors and and producers are like, do not send me any pitches. Don't send me any of your materials. I cannot read it because they know if if they read anything, they can be sued later on. Um, So- Mm -hmm. Yeah, that just mm-hmm. all makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The the ampersand of it all. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, an arbitration and fifty five percent of those movies yours. It's 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 pretty fascinating and sometimes uh, brutal. Uh, some of the, the stories there. Let's get into some of the names though. And I had uh, off air wanted to make sure uh, you know I hadn't heard any of these names. No rumors had popped up at least in my world. Just Joseph, uh, relatively the same name here and there. Maybe uh, I don't know if. Uh, Jen, you heard anything, but uh, here's the names. Here's the names. Stuart Abidi, uh, who wrote uh, many things, but uh, maybe most notably Collateral, one of my favorite movies, and Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Uh, and uh, credits also there for Andrew Stanton. Uh, you might know some of his work. Toy Story, <laughs> Finding Nemo and Dory, Wally, big stuff there. And uh, Hannah Friedman, uh, kind of... Um, uh, Definitely not a newcomer, a lot of credits, but uh, to this bunch, uh, getting her name in there, it's a big thing. Roadies, Wet Hot American Summer, and the upcoming Willow. So there you go, in-house, uh, keeping it in-house there, Disney there. So <laughs> any thoughts on those names that we can get into individual episodes? Any thoughts on that? Uh, Jennifer, uh, what do you think of the Wally of it all? 
Oh man, when I saw his name, I went, oh, they brought in the closer. They, they brought in the guy and he is, he's in the yeah. last two episodes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I watched Toy Story. I just watched Finding Nemo and Finding Dory, uh, last week that, you know, those movies, I don't know. I've seen them so many times, but the emotional, the, the, the heart, uh, oh my gosh, there's so many devastating moments that just, I mean, this is a you know, fish and seeing Dory, like losing her her family i was just like welling up with tears mm-hmm. why but it's because he knows how to root these emotional moments in truth mm. no matter if it's a fish or a bunch of toys or now kenobi and that to me <laughs> makes me very excited mm. right because we've been talking yeah. about that the emotional depth getting to see the inner, inner turmoil of kenobi and how are they going to top revenge of the sith that's what i've been wondering well they brought in the man who can who can make that happen so i was mm. very excited by that name Mm. No, I, I agree with your analysis and it was just a really, really uh, enjoyed your like your your good promo there of fish toys and now Kenobi. <laughs> and a space wizard. <laughs> and a space wizard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm excited by a lot of the writers. I do think continuing just for a minute, our, our who did what story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think based on the credits. So Hannah Friedman in Andrew Stanton are ampersanded with Joby Harold, which means mm. team uh, mm-hmm. that they wrote together. They're mm-hmm. also um, credited uh, is actual, you know, either written by or teleplay. So my analysis is that Joby Harold took over as the main writer and brought in uh, some other writers to work on specific episodes, mm-hmm. story beats. And I think the Hannah Freeman and Andrew Stanton are probably, you know, brought in after uh, Joby Harold to work on like actual script work. Mm. I think Stuart Beatty is credited as uh, no ampersands and story by. So I mm. think at some point it escaped <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the laser eye of Star Wars pundits. And I think at some point Stuart Beatty did a treatment either before mm. or after Hossein Amini and there are elements of his uh, oh. uh, story treatment that are still in this. Mm. Uh, I also think it's significant that all of these writers are uh, names. They all have management. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, most writers have management, but they have powerful mm. management. Uh, yeah. I think it, it, they have every motivation to want to get some credits uh, financially, mm. reputation wise. And I think it's great for Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm benefits by going look at all these great writers who contributed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my, uh, I wanted to finish that kind of analysis of the big picture of who might've done what and when. So, uh, I'm just going to dive. I'm just going to, Joseph, you just, uh, you just made me connect something. Uh, and I'm just going to do this here on Force Center. Uh, Stuart Beatty wrote the movie. Really? Oh. He's from Australia. In that era, when that, all the news is breaking, I had a friend who's friends with him. And mm. she straight up said, my friend is coming to announce the Kenobi movie at D23. <gasps> Mm. And we all went there expecting it, and not a thing happened. Oh, and we never heard again what happened. <laughs> oh. And my friend did not know what happened. And then and this is—I'm sorry. This is so I've been—I've been sitting on this for years. A friend of a friend. It sounds like a joke. A friend of a friend's mom's personal trainer. <laughs> what? No. Said really? I had a client. Oh. Do you, uh, 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 this client showed me a script of of the of this Kenobi movie like or said that he finished it 
And so my friend was like, hey, does this mean anything to you? And I said, what's the name? She said the name. And I was like, yeah, that's the same name. So two mutual, in, in, you know, independent sources, this is about 2016, had oh. said, hey, this guy was wrote the Kenobi movie. Okay. Nothing so ever that, happened. That makes there perfect sense. He wrote a movie. He wrote uh, the movie, yeah. Then uh, Hossein Amin came, Amini came in, uh, apologies on the name yeah. of there, came in and turned it into a television show. Hmm. Then Joby Harold came in as the new head writer. And in the process, either Joby Harold or the general Lucasfilm team said, hey, mm -hmm. why don't you collaborate a little bit with these mm -hmm. uh, two powerhouse writers who are also uh, internal <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. to our little family and who maybe Hannah Friedman and Andrew Stanton are interested in doing some more Star Wars. So why don't you work a little bit on this one? Yeah. Get in the groove. Meet everybody. Yep. Yeah. And go. I would not be surprised to see an announcement of a Hannah Friedman or Andrew Stanton uh, yeah. led, led show. So mm -hmm. I, uh, mm. there we go. Uh, between your <laughs> your friend of a friend's mom's personal trainer and ampersands, I think we broke the story. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, no yeah, no, 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 no one quote me on it. But uh, yeah, no, uh, that all made a ton of sense. All right, cool. Sorry, I should have done this before. It's been a long weekend, <laughs> and I didn't connect. I didn't connect the name. Ah, uh, yes. All right. Yeah, that is that makes breaking sense. news. We just had real uh, breaking well, news. You know, get, get your lawyers ready. Uh, but no, that def, that all tracks. That all tracks, and uh, the, it's the uh, that uh, that passed the uh, past the the hot potato of, of writing in Hollywood. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it is the way of things. Ken, you you framed a very good question mm -hmm. that I then moved us away from to talk more about ampersands mm -hmm. and, and personal trainers, but about what these writers uh, mean and what they're going to bring. What do you have feelings about? What, like how much of their contributions we're going to see and, and what it yeah. means to Kenobi. Um, I, I, I love the collateral of it all, especially if that was going to be part of the movie, which, which is, uh, it, you know, if anyone's familiar with that, Jamie Foxx, Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, Tom Cruise, uh, Michael Mann film. Uh, it's just one of those, it's, it's a, it's a suspense thriller on one hand and it is the, uh, long, dark, uh, tea time of the soul, as I always say in, mm. you know, to Douglas Adams of, um, you know, of, of everyone, of, of a cab driver, of, of, of a killer and, and looking inside of yourselves. It's a really deep reflective movie. So that kind of being a baseline for this really deep reflective part of Kenobi's life just gets me excited. Um, I'm excited about that. And then, you know, but same, same with uh, Wally, right? Mm. Not, lot, not a lot of dialogue in old Wally there. <laughs> it's told in a different way. <laughs> and I expect there to be a lot of dialogue, but all those things, don't they just kind of sync up with what we think Kenobi's shattered soul is at this point in his life? Yeah, yes. absolutely. For me, I mean, I think, yeah, Stuart, it, I haven't seen uh, Collateral, so, so it being an action thriller with some dark elements, Dark Night of the Soul, Dark Tea Time of the Soul, that makes a ton of sense for the movie yeah. version. Uh, moving into... Uh, actual, I, I think probably script work and story beat work. Uh, Hannah Friedman has a l done a ton of things, like early memoir success. It's been YouTube <laughs> working on Willow now, lots of things, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but clearly has like comedy chops. Um, right. So I think yeah. bringing a little bit of those comedy chops and um, uh, I want to always want to be careful about the way I say this. I'm sure has incredible talents as a writer, period. But I do mm -hmm. think it is valuable to have uh, the perspective of a woman, you know, much, mm -hmm. much like Phoebe Waller-Bridge is just an incredible writer. Uh, mm -hmm. She also really did bring a lot uh, to um, No Time to Die in the script uh, yeah. from not just being a great writer, but also having a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So I think that's vital. And then <laughs> to Jennifer's point about the, the quality of fish and 
toy storytelling that <laughs> in robot storytelling that Andrew Stanton has done, uh, I think it, it just he clearly has a love of genre in the in in an understanding of not just character uh, and bringing it all home and tying it up in a bow, like Jennifer was saying, but the genres that Star Wars was based on. Um, mm-hmm. He worked on John Carter, which the, the mm-hmm. film, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, did not do well at the box office, but a lot of people have had a critical reassessment of, but that's like, John Carter is like, that's core yeah. <laughs> uh, pulp DNA of, of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, I found this, uh, this quote uh, from the Wikipedia page uh, where he's, the Wikipedia page is talking about how he is um, possibly going to, I think it's from like 2020, maybe teaming up with, I think searchlight pictures to do another uh, live action uh, science fiction film. And it says Mm -hmm. the film will mark Stanton's third venture into the science fiction genre following Wally and John Carter. Stanton has been quoted many times saying that science fiction is his favorite genre. Films like star Wars, Blade Runner aliens, as well as Edgar Rice Burroughs novel, princess of Mars helped shape Mm -hmm. his interest in the genre. So not just the utter storytelling chops of being a huge factor of Pixar's uh, amazing success, but also like he is a, I have been uh, dipped in the DNA that made Star Wars. Yeah. And that's what I care about the most. Mm-hmm. 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 I, I really it. like how it, it feels like it's a collaboration between all these writers. I think that it it's, a good thing to get all these different perspectives, I think is what Disney has been doing so well in, in recent years, you know, from Frozen to Moana to, uh, you know, uh, um, Encanto, like part of the reason why those films are so great is because they, they ask, they collaborate, they bring in other writers, other directors and say, Hey, what do you guys think? And then they share their ideas. And, and I think that that Star Wars can really benefit from that. I love John Favreau. I love, you know, Dave Filoni. I love what they've done with the the Mandoverse, but I think moving forward, I think that this is really, to me, it's really exciting because you can get just maybe even newer writers, newer voices. um, And then through that experience, they can go off and helm their own shows. And that is thrilling. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm really excited by this news. I think the variety of voices it makes me really excited for it. And then knowing that all of this great script work then gets funneled to uh, Deborah Chow, who's on mm-hmm. set, mm-hmm. and Ewan McGregor, who's the kind of actor who's not just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Stan, where and I say what? He's the kind of actor to go, why am I feeling this? Am I really, am I really angry in this moment or am I sad? Like he's really yeah. an actor who engages, you know? Yeah. Yes. So all this great work then gets funneled into sort of, you know, the, these, you know, final voices. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of it just builds, you know, Clearly, we're very excited for the show. We're, I don't care what day they air it and how many episodes. We, we're so excited. I, I, I always kind of keep getting surprised that I could get more excited. This made me more excited. All the names, uh, now even more excited, live on the show, remembering a bit of information I had buried in my subconscious. Um, man, I, I am just uh, uh, over the moon. That, that's, that's, my, that's my great analysis. Over the moon. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's uh, very well said. Uh, I, I will join you uh, over the moon. Over the moon and the twin suns. Uh, any final thoughts here on the the tales of ampersands in uh, Star Wars writing? Well, now I'm just uh, I'm very fascinated with his personal trainer script story. I want to mm. I want to see a show about that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, we always say how many years on Force Center? We always say we make jokes like ah, you don't know what kind of parties you're going to be at or coffee shops you're going to sit in. It's it's so weird how information travels in this town. Yeah, it mm-hmm. really is. 
uh, including someone getting a nudge to check the WGA website, you know? <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to recover and regroup, and we are going to uh, dive into some more stories after that break. Before we do, though, we want to have a Four Center Recommends, an audio book we think uh, you should try out on us. Joseph, what do you have? Well, if you want to get even more Kenobi before the next Kenobi book comes out, uh, you can check out Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray, one of my favorite Star Wars books. Absolutely. Check out uh, that book by downloading your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, we're going to do it. We're going to pick up the pieces, take a break, come back with more news here on Center. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, 
Welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the personal trainer gossip news source of the <laughs> galaxy. Uh, this is Force Center. Uh, I, I, sorry, I apologize. I, I just on air realized a connection. I thought it was that was a fun moment. We're going to leave it all that. Uh, but uh, we are going to also uh, keep talking about Kenobi, which, by the way, is a great thing. I love uh, Joseph, you, you know. Kenobi's getting his day in the sun and, and not that he's been an undervalued character in Star Wars, but there's something special about Kenobi getting all the spotlight. Absolutely. It's really great. I do think it's significant because he's been around forever. But as we've talked about, he is uh, he is often there to support the Skywalker story. And it feels mm-hmm. like a lot of stories that are coming out now are there. Well, they're about him. <laughs> yeah. Finally, Kenobi yeah. gets to shine. <laughs> he does get to shine. He gets to continue to shine in a book coming out very soon. Mike Chen's new book, Star Wars Brotherhood, is on the way this May, and an exclusive excerpt was released on StarWars.com. Uh, as always, if anyone wants to go and completely blind to these books, we understand. So, spoiler warning there. Um, Kenobi is on the trail investigating problems on the Separatist world of Cato Nimodia. This kind of, we kind of know because it's the business on Cato Nimodia that we're going to find out. And in this, this clip, if you will, he meets <laughs> Ventress. Asajj Ventress, we get there, uh, we get the meeting here. So, how do we feel about this? How do we feel knowing we're getting to see this introduction in this book? It's a big Kenobi canon moment and Ventress canon moment as well. Uh, Jen, Ventress thoughts. I was, I was excited to read this excerpt. I mean, I love their kind of frenemy relationship, <laughs> their flirtation. Uh, they're kind of how they antagonize each other. Um, mm. We just get to see more of that. And, and yeah. I like that. Uh, you know, Mike Chen, he uh, wrote a blog post sharing a little bit about the story. Mm. And he said that it's a character driven examination of trauma, extremism, purpose, and letting go with lightsabers. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And he said that he feel he wanted to show that Obi-Wan feels pressure from having to live up to his promise to Qui-Gon while also having to be become kind of like a parent. Um, so he was excited to explore that because he's also a really huge fan of the prequels and that his passion, mm. well, it's a big plane or something going overhead. Um, <laughs> his passion for the prequels and for this story, it got me really excited. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's well said. Joseph. Yeah, no, I'm very excited. I, I really loved his uh, story in the from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back book. So I'm really excited for his take on this. And yeah, knowing that he is very, very invested in a big fan. And I love to hear, uh, I, I didn't read that particular blog. I read some other things about how he built out some new characters uh, that mm-hmm. he's adding to the to the Star Wars world in his book. Uh, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed that, those process uh, things. I didn't read that. And I, I think that's such a fascinating uh, part of the Kenobi Anakin saga that um, is definitely uh, uh, hinted at in the movies and, and uh, you know, different writers and fans I know are, ex- are really excited about that. So I'm excited he is diving in of that. Uh, Obi-Wan goes right from like, I did it. I graduated. I'm free from college. What should I do? Oh, <laughs> I guess I'm kind of a dad. I'm not really comfortable with being seen as a dad. Uh, you know, I, I don't get to have my own adulthood. And now this weird period that that Mike Chen is writing about where uh, Kenobi is shifting into well, there's a, a war on. OK, that's mm. that's not great, but I'll find my way uh, and kind of getting something that I think he, he must kind of want of moving to being brothers. Cause I think that's a relationship that he feels more comfortable in. He, I don't yeah. think he ever felt comfortable or knew what to do with the father role that Anakin needed that Qui-Gon, uh, you know, vacated mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, by dying, uh, not his fault. Um, 
so I think that I'm really interested in that of like, if Kenobi is reflecting on, I was never, I never found the perfect groove being his father figure, but maybe this will be great to be brothers. I love that angle too. I'm just like, kind of like, hey, no, 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 we're friends, buddy. Let's go out. Let's go. You want to play ping pong? Let's go hang out. We'll go video arcade. We're brothers. We're brothers. We're brothers. Well, yeah. And it's, it's that dynamic in Clone Wars where it yeah. feels like, you know, they've got this sort of like fun rivalry, but Kenobi still does kind of lecture him and, and sass him every once yeah. in a while, but is also, you know, impressed by him and loves him. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a fascinating uh, dynamic just on, mm-hmm. on that level. And yeah, thrilled, thrilled, totally agree with Jennifer. I think that flirting, that intense flirting mm. <laughs> in oh. the Clone Wars animated series, particularly in the earlier episodes, is so great. And it's one of those things that Star Wars are like, why, why leave that on the table? Let's look at that, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the excerpts, like uh, at one point, I think there's a, she, it says Ventress mm. sucked in a breath holding it as if to tease him like well geez this is just <laughs> this is just a bridgerton with lightsabers and i love it <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah absolutely love it there anything uh specific other than uh, <laughs> uh ventress uh, uh biting her bottom lip uh, lip a half amusement coming just uh, i'm reading it right now it's great stuff um <laughs> Anything specific here? I, I'll say this. I personally love this uh, Kenobi carrying a, an item of sentimental value to him. Uh, right. Uh, and, and a Jedi having some sort of attachment to memories there. I love just starting that starting point there. And what do you think that might be? Have you thought about that one, Joseph? Uh, you know what? I have not given that one uh, much thought. I've had a lot of different uh, Kenobi thoughts to have. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't got to that one, but I, I yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a great little detail. I think I was so focused on the, because everybody was, you know, hyping like it's the Ventress thing and it's it's such Mm. a weird thing to be like, I'm in the middle of my day. I got to stop and read a book excerpt. So the book (laughs) excerpt is not spoiled. Mm. Uh, So I was really focused on the Ventress thing. I think I'm also just really fascinated with uh, the political dynamic dynamic Mm -hmm. Um, that this is a war, but it's early on. And that tension of what's going on in this scene really is Kenobi is, you know, being the negotiator, the diplomat, you know, Mm. Mm -hmm. early in the war where you can think maybe we can still kind of talk things out. Am I, talking to a diplomat uh, from across a political divide, or am I talking to a warrior with a lightsaber who's going to start slaughtering people? And I got to go from negotiator to defending people, you know, that, that just that tension between this is a political disagreement and maybe we can still work it out versus Count Dooku is behind this and he's a Sith Lord and it's a war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even that line uh, uh, from from Ventress, I think we'll be friends, and you, perhaps you can have it when I'm done with my investigation talking about that item. But uh, uh, I love that starting point there, and the Dooku stuff's pretty great. Jed, I don't know if you had any reaction to uh, Ventress claiming that Dooku uh, he speaks highly of your order, uh, oh, Toby. All kind yeah. of words at play there. Yes, it's just it's just great, and I can just hear Nika Futterman's voice. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I can hear James Arnold Taylor's voice. Like, it's just, it's so, it's so exciting. Um, and I love how they, how he mentioned, I think it's towards the end of the excerpt where he's like, he sees the hint of, of metal on her hip or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just building that tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thing that I thought was interesting from uh, Mike Chen's uh, blog post was that he said that he wrote this during the Delta surge of COVID, which was challenging because uh, he was juggling his day job. His child was on Zoom school. So he was like homeschooling. And then he was also writing this book. Mm. And he said he had a very short amount of time, a quick deadline. And But he said that he was just so inspired that like the words were just coming out of him and he was just 
he's been envisioning kind of he's had these thoughts about these characters mm. and it just all came free flowing. So I, I really am excited to read this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing for me is I just I, I know that you know it the 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 business on Cato Nimodia that doesn't doesn't count that's like a fun uh, mm-hmm. moment that we get to examine but I love Cato Nimodia because of those weird beautiful bridge cities and I mm-hmm. love hearing Kenobi go like it's I haven't seen anything quite like this it's quite beautiful but that also speaks to like some great political complexity of this mm-hmm. era that I love where like Cato Nimodia is trying to be like yeah, we're separate from the Trade Federation. And we know from some Clone Wars episodes, it's more complicated than that. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, we are diving into the prequel era. Indeed, this book comes out May 10th. We will, of course, be reading and covering it here. We might be, you know, reading it in hotel rooms while watching Kenobi uh, <laughs> at Celebration and hanging we'll out see. with we'll Australian see. In- screenwriters. Uh, I, I need to re-examine the um, the actual excerpt, but this is the the wild bad Kenobi theory of the, his personal thing. Maybe it's Anakin's Padawan braid that he's holding on to to remember when he was young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could be, could be, could be indeed. Uh, we'll uh, we'll find out soon enough here. So that, that brings to close our discussion on Star Wars news. A lot of news, a lot, a lot of news to discuss. Uh, but we, before we get out of here, are going to uh, look ahead to Star Wars past. Looking ahead this week for a uh, Star Wars this day in history to talk about. We got a great one. Uh, this week, we look back to the birth of the galaxy's smoothest scoundrel, Billy D. Williams, the man that brought Lando to life, was born this week on April 6, 1937 in New York City. Of course, he was raised in Harlem long before he arrived in the Star Wars galaxy. Billy D. graduated from the prestigious LaGuardia High School of uh, Music and Art and Performing Arts. That is the one that became, uh, you know, I remember the TV show Fame when I was growing mm-hmm. up. That's what it's based off of. Uh, and he graced uh, many stages on Broadway and made his way to the silver screen in 1959 before, of course, uh, really uh, uh, launching onto uh, getting launched onto the national uh, stage with uh, with 1971. Uh, that was Brian's song, I believe, 1971. Anyways, as we celebrate his uh, 84th birthday, well, what are some of our favorite things about having Billy D. Williams be such an important part of the Star Wars saga, Jet? Oh, you know, I first saw Billy D. Williams in Return of the Jedi. I never saw his uh, appearance in Empire when I was a kid. So for me, it was seeing him, a black man, being a hero of the rebellion, uh, sorry, yeah, Rebel Alliance, an important member of this core group with Han and Leia. Like he was just as important. And that for me was really powerful. Um, because I was like, wow, there's there's no prejudice in Star Wars? There's no racism in Star Wars? In this fantasy world? That's where I want to go. That was really, um, it was, it was, it helped, it provided a, a necessary form, uh, a place to escape. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, mm-hmm. wow, he can be, he can be every bit as equal as them. Of course, when we, we learn about their relationship and empire and stuff like that, you know, that's a whole yeah. other thing. But, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah, he was, it, it was his, his, uh, seeing him on screen was really, really important for me as a kid and still mm. is to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Joseph. Yeah, no, I think um, yeah, we we talk a lot about the the steps that uh, diversity and representation still need to take. But yeah, it's undeniably huge. It's certainly uh, a very, very positive impact on me uh, to have Lando in Star Wars growing up. And, uh, you know, I love the character mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in the same way I loved Han of like, I wish I could be as cool as him. <laughs> and I think what he brought to Star Wars and it's, uh, you know, uh, you can see it in lots of other characters. Uh 
Han is super charming. He's a scoundrel, but he's a rough around the edges scoundrel. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. he's uh, it's charming how you have your life duct taped together scoundrel, right? <laughs> In Lando is a my cape is always pressed and I would never spill food on my clothes. Charming like he is <laughs> suave. He's this different kind of charming. There's so much in Empire in particular about how they're both scoundrels, but he has this different flavor of scoundrel, and he really brought that energy to Star Wars that him pops up in, in lots of different characters. Um, I, I think also a huge thing for me is just the, um, you have it with Han, but it's kind of a different perspective with Lando of the person who has the instinct to be selfish and turn away from the fight mm. and chooses not to, right? You He can't ignore the fight. He tries to deal with it, but it comes to him. It comes to Cloud City. And he, uh, like a lot of the characters, relearns that lesson in the sequel trilogy too, that, you know, you can't ignore the fight. He's such a great symbol of that. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lando's always one of my favorite characters. And and it is, you know, as a a kid, uh, for me, uh, you know, I I probably connected him on a different level, right? And and, and that's the great thing about Lando. He he does all those... uh, wonderful things uh, you both addressed and talked about the representation diversity all those kind of things but i'm seven and eight not fully understanding it i'm just seeing it right i'm just feeling the mm-hmm. effects of that love the character and to your point joseph too I've, I've always said i'm a han solo guy meaning i i have a lot of duct tape holding my life together <laughs> so i think i looked up to lando in a way i always joke it, it's a joke but like i grew up with, with knowing that my mom was like that lando's a good looking guy <laughs> and so i love Love having Billy D, who kind of owns all of that, you know, yeah. including uh, I think it is uh, Empire Dreams when he talks about you know him coming in and 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 there are important uh, you know bigger reasons to have him in there, Lando. But also he says, yeah, and no, that was kind of cute, and he's just <laughs> always represents that. And then yeah, I always said I think as I got older, Lando as a survivor, Lando is someone who's not. Um, selling out his friends as much as just trying to survive, but then, you know, has to make the bigger choices and stuff. Like you said, Joseph, I just always love that. And I love that Billy D is defensive and protective of Lando in that way too. The, the, the star Wars celebration, Chicago speech he gave of just like, Hey, you know, no one got killed. <laughs> you know, like I, I had to do it. And, and, and I loved his, I loved it. Even after all these years, Billy D is ready to defend Lando and, and what he was doing and what the character, um, it's actually about in a lot of different ways. So I just love having Billy D around for that. And so thrilled, so thrilled that I think we got him in the right way in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, not a cameo or a throwaway spot in episode seven and eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that he continues to to reprise his role, you know, in Star Wars Rebels, lending his voice or the Freemaker Adventures, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. I like that. I like when mm. the Star Wars actors are like, yeah, I'll come in. I'll do a session, yeah. a VO session. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's no pushing the character away. He fully embraces uh, Lando, which is so, so great. Yeah, mm-hmm. love it. And as, uh, you know, uh, we all work and attend conventions. We know people who have helped run or, you know, build conventions. Every story I've ever heard from from Billy D being at conventions is pure class. He's Lando to the, to the core, and I love that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That is uh, so happy birthday ahead of uh, schedule here to Billy D. Williams on April 6th. Uh, that is our look back at Star Wars Past. We are going to look ahead to how you can find us. Uh, we're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Podcast available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and a lot more. Just search and find us. Uh, merch is available at tpublic, uh, slash uh, user slash Force Center. And you can support us at Patreon. That's the one I was trying to say. Patreon.com slash 
Force Center. From there, you can get into our Discord and have a wonderful discussion with our Force Center friends. You can follow me at Ken Knapsack or go to my website, KenNapsack.com. i got dates for upcoming shows, though. Who knows? Things are always changing. The, the, the thing's still floating out there. Be careful, everybody. Wear your mask is all I'll say, uh, though I am fine. Don't worry about me. Uh, also, I uh, want to uh, remind you uh, to uh, check out, if you'd like, uh, globalgiving.org and search for the Ukrainian Crisis Relief Fund. Uh, obviously, um, uh, still uh, that that's uh, the situation in Ukraine is still ongoing, even as we record. Uh, but that is to help support uh, the people affected directly by it. Uh, Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all of the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. I'll continue to share some action figures that I'm not going to open. Got some more uh, Kenobi ones coming up as well. Uh, and uh, you can find all of my other adventures, including, I think, uh, pretty soon uh, some some shows back back mm. to actually performing. Uh, you can uh, find that information eventually on my website, <laughs> josephscrimshaw.com. Uh, I want to continue to highlight the organization Vote Forward. It is a service where you write letters to people letting them know why you vote and encourage them to use your use their power uh, to vote if you are interested in that you can check it out at vote forward which is votefwd.org love it love it jennifer take us home well you can find me on instagram twitter facebook at jennifer landa and my tiktok at jennifer landa 1138 and today i am spotlighting the amadala initiative which is a campaign to support trans youth and their families through equality texas um, the initiative was created collaboratively by over 50 fandom creators uh, like our friends uh, star wars explain uh, molly and alex uh, they are dedicated to speaking out against anti-trans efforts and currently they have a gofundme set up and right now they've raised about $14,000 out of their $25,000 goal. Uh, you can learn more about the initiative on their Twitter page at Amadala Helps. Wonderful, wonderful indeed. Well, that is it for this week. We'll see you uh, this week for some deep dives, some questions, and next week on the news. Who knows when Kenobi will be airing then. We'll find out. So, for Obi-Wan Kenobi, for all Australian screenwriters and personal trainers, this has <laughs> been Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.